0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby!
1: Chance for W D D. Yes. His comments. Derby.
2: Hello, thanks for joining us on Steve Bloomer's Washing, your independent fans voice on Derby County. Another two games nearer the end of the campaign, and after our Easter fixtures, we're still no closer, are we, to knowing whether the Rams will extend their season in this truly extraordinary promotion race. <laughs> uh, Derby, Middlesbrough and Bristol City have all scrambled for that last playoff spot, which the Rams poached back on Monday. With that last-ditch win over QPR, uh, Tom Martin's here. We haven't heard about your uh, excitement hat for a while. It must be on right now, surely. <laughs> well, we'll get to that, Chris, and I'll let you know how excited that hat is and in what style it's been worn. Mm. Okay, you're going to save it for later yeah, on. I am. i will tell you what type of hat it is and how excited it is. I'm excited for that. And he's far from on the beach just yet, as Richard Kutcher. Hello. Uh, it's turning into a pretty tasty run-in, isn't it? Four points every Easter. Combined with uh, Nottingham Forest of all teams doing us a favour and other results going our way, me and Derby are back in that championship top six, but for how long? The playoff charge is almost certain to hinge on a massive away game at Ashton Gate, isn't it? So later on in the pod, we're chatting to Bristol City blogger Paul Binning to gauge the mood over in the South West. Uh, Kutch, what have you got for us quiz wise? We're going, to get, we're going to go back to one of our favourites from the Christmas quiz and I'm going to give you a famous
3: Derby County match from the recent history and you're going to have to uh, name players that appeared for either side uh, in that match off and face off against each other until one of you are incorrect.
2: I fancy myself in the, in this round. I know you, fan- I know you fancy yourself, it. Chris, but how good are you at quizzes? <laughs> might even be one that Tom doesn't win for a change. Uh, um, Tom, can you remind the good folk who are listening, how they can subscribe to the podcast?
0: Yeah, of course. And you can get the latest Steve Bloomer's Washing podcast first by hitting subscribe on iTunes or follow on Spotify and SoundCloud.
2: Expertly done. Uh, so Derby edged closer to the playoffs, didn't they, with that 2-0 win over Queen's Park Rangers, their 12th home league win this season. And it was a world away from those comfortable um, cruising wins over Rotherham, and Bolton. Harry Wilson uh, settled it with his fifteenth and sixteenth goals at a campaign, but that doesn't tell anywhere near the full story on this one, does it, Richard?
3: Yeah, you're right. I was I was actually expecting another fairly comfortable day uh on, on on Easter Monday, in line with the Bolton and the and the Rotherham results. We've we we have actually been swatting aside teams with little to play for at home recently, but just within five, ten minutes of that game, it was obvious we we weren't on it and, and QPR had a tactic which has become very familiar to us this season and um, we couldn't get up for it we couldn't play around it and to be honest we could have been one or two down in the first
2: 10 minutes. It looked for a while time didn't it like it was going to be one of those frustrating afternoons where Derby just do everything but score basically but QPR spent from what I could really tell the entire second half or most of it playing for time a pretty cynical side aren't they Um Lots of niggly fouls, um, lots of sort of gamesmanship. They they're a team moulded in uh, big John Eustace's image, aren't they? I, mean, I, I was, I was going to say let's give let's give QPR some credit. Um, let's give the use credit where yeah, it's due. But they it's exactly um, what we wanted. But they <laughs> they caused nine minutes of injury time because of those tactics. Started doing that song about that QPR player in injury time, then conceded in the ninety third the 101st minute I mean that's basically poetry isn't it really
0: I, I think them conceding is poetic and um to be fair like used to set that QPR team out to frustrate Derby uh, it did exactly that he's obviously looked at how Derby have played recently how teams have played against us uh, and we were incredibly frustrated playing against them and couldn't break them down uh, and then as a result started making sloppy defensive errors which could have given the game away and, and arguably the I don't want to say the better teams, I don't think they necessarily were significantly better than us, but QPR can say they were unlucky to have come away without a point that day. I think the, the, the nine minutes was
3: interesting because I think I think that was fair, but you just never see referees do it. And it wasn't, there was a couple of injuries, there were a couple of injuries in that second half where players were down for a bit of time, but nowhere near enough for that to be the nine minutes. The nine minutes came because the referee must have given them about four minutes of, of time wasting, which you know what, fair enough, it's not consistent. You know, we, I would be gutted if it happened to us because it doesn't, doesn't normally happen but fair enough for them doing it I'd like to see more referees do it you know whether it's against us or for us I think we need to see more of that it, it will clamp it out the game a bit more
2: I don't remember watching that second half and thinking oh this is going to make a lot of time added on uh, it was little bits and pieces here and there wasn't it I, I was, yeah. ours was as surprised as anyone when, uh, when the board went up
3: I think the referee just had a bee be in his bonnet about it and he wanted to make a point and, and uh, it worked out well for us because there was no we, we were all watching it Twitter was watching it people in the stands we were not going to score when when we got the nine minutes I thought well that's a lifeline but I actually still thought and I think I tweeted at the time that QPR were probably more likely to get a winner than we were um but you know we made the most of it so for me that
0: was the gift from the referee was was the nine minutes well then the the nine minutes went up and then pretty much immediately Matt Smith had a a glorious chance and he's headed it wide from about sort of 14-15 yards out um and you would expect a, quality, a player of Matt Smith's quality to probably hit the target and if he does, the power on that header um, is going to cause Vue some problems but interestingly, if the referee is giving nine minutes of added on time um, for time-wasting there are only two QPR players booked and correct me if I'm wrong I don't think either of them were, were booked for time-wasting so the referee should be um, using the laws to support him when booking players for time-wasting that's what he should be doing
3: maybe, maybe the better punishment isn't booking so maybe it's just to have, whack on ten minutes of added of entry time
2: it looked like the ref was, uh, you know, doing everything he could to give us as much chance as possible to uh, to score, wasn't he? And it, you're completely right. It did look like it just wasn't going to happen, especially when uh, I think it was Wilson clipped that lovely ball over the top for Mount, took that touch, put it past the keeper via a, a touch off the keeper, and it came back off the post. It was Lumley with the safer QPR, but it ended up being a absolutely fabulous finish for Darby. <laughs> Well set up there, Chris. <laughs> <Been> waiting <laughs> days to say that. <laughs> it was um, Mount,
3: yeah, Mount snatched at that chance. He didn't. He kicked it into the ground, and the, ref, the referee, sorry, the goalkeeper made himself big, and and he made a save. But I think Mount missed that as much as as the keeper saved it. But you know, a lot of people made out on Twitter that actually the bit that saved us was was Wilson coming inside when Brighton went off injured, and and I didn't think he had a huge impact, but he he played that ball for. Mount, and he also played the ball for, for Jaden Bogle to win that penalty.
0: It's interesting for uh, for Wilson being in the middle, um, because when he w- did play in the middle, if you remember West Brom away, it was the first time uh, he played in the centre midfield. Um, we were just devastating going forward. And I, I don't actually think we were good that night, but I don't actually think we were 4-1 good. Um, whereas I think, for example, maybe Middlesbrough away was a better performance or a better team performance, certainly. Um, but Wilson was just incredible through that little purple patch of playing uh, centre midfield. And perhaps... He's gone back out wide again, and sat in a, sat in behind. Perhaps it's a it's time for him to drop into that centre midfield spot uh, next to Mount, and then have someone behind who's going to
2: sort of break break the play down and give the ball to those creative players. I mean, he might end up there just by default, really, because we haven't with Bryson out long term and Holmes out for Bristol City as well. We'll come to that later on in the podcast. Uh, but the minutes were ticking by, weren't they? You could just see that playoff challenge disintegrating in front of us. I was literally about to tweet something about you know top six teams find the way we're not that team we just haven't quite been good enough I just thought we looked pretty sort of hot and knackered basically against QPR but then 92nd minute that ball forward a clumsy challenge on Jaden Bogle um was it a pen for you? It was for me I
3: thought it was straight away and I haven't changed my mind from the replays I saw quite a few Derby fans on Twitter saying that they, they thought it. They thought it wasn't a pen, and we were we were gifted that from the referee. But he jumps in recklessly from the side, arguably from behind, and, he, and for me, he doesn't get the ball. Uh, there's a still going round that seems to show he's, he's touching the ball, but I, I actually don't think he is. I think I think it's a penalty all day long, and, and the QPR players didn't really protest it either.
0: I think they protest the fact that it's so late in the game, isn't it? That's the, it's the frustration, but it's a forwards challenge. Uh, Freeman's dived in, Bogle's come across him, he's taken Bogle out, and if he gets anywhere near the ball, it's after he's clattered Bogle. So, um, for me, Stonewall penalty, no doubt.
2: The argument some people have made, as it was given as a penalty, was it's um, things evening themselves out, really, after the one and possibly even two penalties we didn't get at Birmingham. And one, hand, and hand one ball, at Brentford, Ashley Culls at Brentford. Bryson being pulled back. And uh, Ashley Cole being pulled back as well. I mean, I thought the one that was giving it QPR was about as much of a penalty as the foul on Cole against Brentford, but, really. but
0: that's the classic thing about football, and that's the the beauty of it, that it's so down to interpretation. And it's also, like, one week you get that penalty, the next thing you don't. And it's, it's so difficult to make a, a completely... Accurate and fair judgment over games across the season, and sometimes you get those decisions, sometimes you don't. I think, of course, being a derby fan, the Cole one against Brentford looked like a penalty to me. I was surprised to see him booked, and you can see from the reaction of the derby players um the uh, pullback on Bryson. You see them given, um, and I'm surprised that the referee had a clear view, didn't give it. The handball, perhaps less so. I'm, I'm not. I'm still not sure where I stand with his handball law and. Um, and what is handball and what isn't, I don't quite understand it. So I can see why that wouldn't have been given, but going back to the Completely his interpretation. I mean,
2: um, Leeds had a complete stonewall against Brentford. Brentford, yeah. um, Which wasn't given. But anyway, we'll come to Leeds later. Don't worry. (laughs) That is exciting, Chris. (laughs) You've tickled my fancy. Um, Lampard himself clearly acknowledged it was a a tough game. We rode our luck at times, said it was touch and go were the words he used. He said... um, some parts of our game weren't spot on stopping counter attacks. we were off it. We got away with a few bits, but sometimes you make your own luck um and I thought the best quote he came out with was that he went into a bit of detail about what he said at half time because there was a bit of an improvement at half time wasn't there first half a bit not much not much going on second <laughs> half. We slowly turned the screw a bit more as it went on, but Lampard said that I mentioned the results to the players at half time and I said to them how much do you want to finish sixth by the end of play by which Lampard meant that he knew that Bristol City were losing and Borough were losing as well So a couple I th- of lads switched in- off and were like no don't fancy this at all I, <laughs> find, it, I find it quite interesting that, that Lampard brought up the result how the other teams were doing at the same time to try and spear him on
3: yeah I think why not I don't, I don't, think, it's a, I don't think it's a stroke of genius I think it's probably common sense to tell them that like it's, it's, it's after taking this is, a, this is a big day for you I don't think we particularly came surging out the blocks. I don't think that was a a, a big game changer making those comments, but it might have had, it might have influenced them later in the game, made them run that bit harder. I I, I still think we were we were poor for ninety minutes of that match. You no, know, seriously poor. And it's interesting that Lampard said in those post match comments that. One of the things that we weren't quite on today was stopping counterattacks. We haven't been stopping counterattacks all season. That's not that's not like something that we've been good at recently, I don't think. Do we think we've been good at stopping counterattacks I this don't, year?
0: I don't think we're very good at defending, which is quite surprising considering we haven't really conceded sort of that many goals. If you look at the defensive comparison against, uh, say, like Norwich or Villa or West Brom, we've got a better defence than them, which, um, which surprises me. But I do think what you say with uh, Lampard there and what Lampard did, good decision because... Um, Clearly, the opportunity is there. It's a real opportunity. It's now Derby's time to go and seize that chance. Um, and too many times you've seen a Derby team buckle under the pressure, but it's nice to see them step up, albeit not being great, but step up and win a bit ugly um, and get something perhaps we haven't deserved. And I, I still think we've we played in fits and starts this season. Um, and I think we're going to have to step it up
2: in the next three games. We're going to get, keep hold of the sixth place. Interesting point you make there about not stopping counter-attacks either, because now I actually think about it. Uh, Millwall at home when we lost 1-0, that was a counter-attack, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Wigan, when they scored when we won 2-1, that was a counter-attack. Pretty sure at least one of Villa's goals it's was a It's been Tammy
0: Abraham, we had the ball in the right wing and it crossed and then El put it into the box. Took it the other end.
3: I'm not someone to, to, to bash Richard Keogh regularly, but I actually think it's one of Keogh's major weaknesses, is his decision-making when when we're defending counter-attacks. And it's something, even though under Guy Rao, we actually did have a good defence, we still weren't very good at it defending counter-attacks.
0: We've, we've looked at and counter-attacks since Steve McLaren's first spell at the I, club. I think we've really missed D- Davis as a, a big, strong leader. And I'd have loved to have seen... Um, so sort of, Tomori's really grown into this season, but I think he was very shaky before Christmas. And I'd love to have seen the influence Davis might have had and the opportunity to maybe freshen it up. But Keo and, and uh, Tomori have done OK this season, but they've both made some massive errors um, and been culpable for goals like fairly consistently. And when we look at that Derby defence... It's very rare we'd praise it. So the fact that they're being potentially talked over as player of the year, I'm
2: just not sure about the player of the year. I yet. find it I bizarre. Know, really. I find it bizarre. No, he's, he's done, he, he's kicked on massively. If, it, if, if we're talking most improved player, he'd absolutely walk it. But um, on the other hand, there aren't really any major standout contenders to select instead of him, are there? Like Wilson's got 16 for the season, been great, but dipped in and out of games as well. There's no there's no nailed-on candidate, which I think is part of the uh, part of that conversation.
3: Yeah, that's that's the problem. Keo's a great servant for the club, and he has his he has his good mo- he has his great moments, and he has his awful moments. And he and it hasn't been his best season for Derby. No. Tamori's um, as you say, he he's improved steadily throughout the season, and he is a lot better. But he's still got huge mistakes in him. We, we'll come on to Birmingham later on. He, he was all over the place at Birmingham as well. It wasn't just Richard Keo. Um, but I don't know. But I don't to answer your question. I don't know who it would be. And we'll discuss it, I guess, in a few, a few episodes' time.
0: I think with... Um, sorry there, Chris. I think with the d- idea of Derby defending and with Tomori, yeah, I agree with you, Chris, that Tomori's come on leaps and bounds this season, but he's still very naive. He's still very young. Um, and it summed it up for the QPR game when Malone made a complete hash of things. I think he kicked the ball into someone... in. Uh, behind him over his shoulder. Um, it went up, he didn't know where it was. He then tried to deal with it, he lost the ball um, and the balls then crossed into to Hemed who almost uh, finished it off. Um, but Tomori stood and watched Malone the whole time when this was happening and didn't think that at some point... Hang on, Malone's in a bit of danger here. He stood and watched, and the and Hemmed actually ran past Tamori by about five or six yards, and therefore was able to get on the end, of, almost get on the end of the cross. Now, Tamori had been thinking he could have been across and then uh, supported Malone, uh, and obviously then hopefully Keo or, or someone or Boga would have reacted. Defensively, Derby were not at it on on Monday.
2: I mean, we are singling him out for individual, individual sort of uh, mistakes here, and it's it, we should point out that. He definitely has improved. But anyway, the player of the year chat is one we're saving for uh, a future pod. So uh, stand by on that one. An up and down fortnight then for Derby, um, clinging on to the top six race, um, the usual end of season roller coaster. So we asked all of you lot on social media to sum up your current feelings on Derby County in five words. Had some great responses. Um, we'll go through them between us. Uh, Lee on Twitter chimed in with constantly putting us through torture. Um, Paul Harrison also said, and I agree with this one,
0: uh, destiny is in our hands. And Craig Nash tweeted us with the false hope is building.
2: I think that sums up a lot of feelings there. Uh, Magazo said on Twitter, thank the Lord for low Good point, well made. Yeah, and uh, Gurmi Chira
0: uh, said deflated leads in the playoffs. And I do agree with that one. It'd be nice to have that uh, that game in the
2: playoffs if we get there. And
3: okay. We also had some uh, comments on Instagram as well. And Will Gross said blood pressure through the roof.
2: Yeah, uh, Jimmy Gregory came back to us with a good answer on our Instagram page as well. He said absolutely, incredibly, phenomenally, ridiculously derby.
0: It's a
3: lot um, of Lees. <laughs> uh,
0: then also on our Facebook page, uh, Nick Wheat uh, keeps it nice and cheery. Gonna get dicked by Villa. <laughs> in the
3: final. So wow. he thinks we'll get to the final. <laughs> well, like swings and
2: roundabouts yeah, on that one.
0: Uh, don't fancy that.
3: And uh, and Chris Scoble said, best nine minutes this season. I've had a few other good nine minutes, but we won't go into those.
2: Being pretty generous on yourself there. Um, Seconds. And just finally, Alex Flowers got in touch on Twitter. And his five word response was a bit sick and horny. <laughs> <laughs> you, should probably, you should probably get that checked out, I think. Follows
3: on nicely from the best nine minutes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our home and away form couldn't be more different, could it, really? Especially at this in the second half of the season. In those 11 games that Derby have had since losing to Millwall in February, we've played six at home, earned 14 points from a possible 18, and five away, we've won a possible two points from 15 what you put it down to Richard and don't, don't just say in a nice weather uh, <laughs> weathers yeah um, you don't know what to say now <laughs> <but yeah. laughs> so you're the, the away
3: from possibly put it down to young probably the naivety of the team home comforts we've got a lot of young players there and I guess good pitches, nice weather. <laughs> I don't know I think it's, it's mentality right there's lots of stats about home and away home and away um, form and why clubs tend to do better at home and it's not just a football thing it happens in rugby it happens in cricket um, a lot of psychologists still don't particularly understand it actually but and so I don't know why I'm going to understand it but we probably come up against teams that are happy to have a go at us more and our defence creaks pretty easily
2: the Birmingham game sort of summed up our uh, away form it really, didn't it Tom I mean two catastrophic ridiculously soft goals given away but two great goals that we scored I mean for me if we're going to do anything before this Bristol City game just just drill the lads on on defending set pieces just drill them on keeping their shape drill them on defending six yard box on facing the right way on reacting to second balls because we didn't do many of those things against Birmingham did we? No I
0: mean the two goals against Birmingham are real sort of schoolboy uh, sort of training ground errors they can be they can be really sort of sorted out through through as you say drilling drilling them on the training ground um the ball comes into the box both times uh it gets into this real danger area just in front of the 6 yard box there's not a single derby player challenging for for that as a Birmingham player is over either able to to head it in or to to then turn in the penalty uh, sorry, in the six-yard box and finish it. But yeah, you're right. The, the Birmingham City game is the kind of game when we were on that really fantastic run. Uh, it reminded me a bit of the Wigan Athletic game when we were uh, in 2013-14, where we came out and like uh, uh, scored a couple of early goals. But actually Wigan had chances and then we actually battled to, to hold on. And we won 3-1 away. Um, I think Martin and Bryson maybe scored twice. We won to be on away that day, but against Birmingham, we just looked fragile at the back. And even in the second half, I think Jukic again hit the post from a header. Uh, there were other chances in there, and it was just a bit of a mess. And we're we're not defending, um, and it's very sort of last ditch scattergun stuff.
2: I mean, Birmingham City are a much more physical team than Bristol City, aren't they? But the fact remains, um, and I know some fans get annoyed that people go on about it, but defending crosses is something we have is a, something we haven't really solved properly all season really is it when you compare it to last season when those crosses and balls into a target man were just like bread and butter stuff for Curtis Davis yeah exactly
3: they? Curtis Davis is, is a big part of that but we've discussed it again and we'll just we've discussed it before and we'll discuss it again we can see too many crosses I saw someone on Twitter put up the statistic about conceding too many goals from crosses and that that was a reflection of Keogh and Tamori yeah it's a reflection on Keogh and Tomori but it's also a reflection of our of our poor shape and a poor organisation defensively to concede that many crosses again not just the fullbacks fault the fullbacks get isolated too many times and if you get isolated so many times you're going to concede crosses I think we have actually made some progress in that area in in the last few weeks obviously we conceded two goals against Birmingham they were from both from corners I believe um Ashley Cole had one of his probably his best game for Derby so far against Birmingham he he stopped a lot of crosses and he had a tough opponent in Jota. Uh, that day and Jaden Bogle I think he's had a fantastic last three matches both defensively and offensively he's looked so much sharper so much more on it and his decision making has been so much better.
2: So we're going to talk about that crucial crunch playoff decider almost against Bristol City in the second half with Bristol City blogger Paul Binning in the meantime Steve Bloomerswashing is partnered for this season with Derby Brewing Company the family run microbrewery and pub operator in Derby with three venues across the city. Hi,
0: I'm Dean Sturridge.
2: Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solidor. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. So it's all eyes on Ashton Gate next end Derby in sixth, travelling to Bristol City in eighth in what's been described as a playoff elimination match. Uh, The two teams separated by a single point with three games to go. And uh, on the phone now is Bristol City blogger, Paul Binning, who produces the Exiled Robin fan site. So uh, tell us, Paul, what's the mood like among City fans then ahead of this massive game? Given that you guys did have a bit of a disappointing uh, Bank Holiday weekend.
1: Yeah, it was a bit disappointing. I think you know, gone into it in good form and come out with it with just just one point. Um, I think the the mood not at all uh, lightened by walking out with you guys nil nil. I are walking down the steps and. Seeing you score a penalty as well on our way out, but uh, no, I think yeah you know, we we got ourselves in a good position. I think we all feel slightly we're still punching above our weight a little bit. But I think mean, once you get in these positions, you've got to try and take advantage of them, and we we couldn't unfortunately on Monday. Um, I think the mood is there's a handful of fans who are kind of written us off. I think now, to be honest, I think they you know we we probably think we need to win three games to get in the playoffs, and you know that's not easy at any point in the season, especially the last three. But obviously, Saturday's absolutely massive for, for both clubs and a win on Saturday for us. And,
3: and who knows where that might lead in the rest of the you know, remaining two games. So, uh, Paul, there's only one win in, in the last five, uh, but you've also beaten Sheffield United, Middlesbrough and West Brom. Uh, so, which which city side do you think will, will be turning up at the weekend? Well, apart from the West Brom game, um, generally, we've been far better away
1: from home than we have at home. Um, I think, mean, you know, if we don't get in the playoffs this year, it's because we've... Drawn at home to Ipswich and lost at home to Birmingham and drawn at home to Reading and Wigan. But that's been our Achilles' Hill almost. And we, yeah, we've, got to say, so we've gone to Sheffield United, we've gone to Middlesbrough, we won there. We've looked very good on the road most of the season. Um, and actually on Monday, to be fair, but lacking a little bit of quality, but we largely dominated possession after the first 20 minutes when we let Barry Bannon run things. So it wasn't that, that bad a performance. So who knows? I think what we have to do is play the type of team and the setup we did against West Brom a couple of weeks ago. We went at them from the start. We are 3-0 up inside 19 minutes. And I think it's kind of got to that point of the season where we, you know, we're not necessarily as good at home. If we try and keep it tight till half-time and then try and nick one, we're, we're better when we go for it. We've got to really try and come out with blocks blasting on Saturday and, and try and get that early advantage. Before the international break, which was what a month, month or so ago now, I think most fans could name we were going to play 4 5 four five one. Um, we played largely the same team most weeks when teams were available we you know we just switched our our backs and our our wingers out occasionally just to give them a rest we largely played the same team since the break and the, what might what, be six or seven games since we came back I think we played a different team and a different formation almost every week so it's gone a little bit whether, that, whether that's deliberate whether that's a bit desperate whether it, who, who knows what reason is, but I really, really couldn't honestly tell you. I don't think, but how we're going to go into it. I think if we try and replicate what we did against West Brom, it was a funny kind of four-two-two-two two, two formation, which is a, a bit of a Lee Johnson creation, I think. Uh, but four, you know, four, four defenders, two sitting midfielders, two slightly advanced, slightly wide midfielders, but not really too wide, I and mean, then two up front. And I just think we might, as I say, we might try and go at you early, try and get that an early advantage, and that might be the way we approach it on Saturday. Typically, most of the season we've gone with a lot of width. So against Reading on Friday, we put over thirty-six crosses. Oh God! I'm having your defending against the uh, the set pieces the other day. I, I imagine we might we might try and do that as well. It's, it's, I say it's really tricky to say crosses have been a feature of the last say the last six to eight games. We do Jade Silver on the left side in particular at left back is a a great talent. He's on loan from Chelsea. But you guys have got obviously. A, Couple of good low knees in there, but Jade Silvers Silva's looks superb. He gets some great positions. His crossing, unfortunately, has not quite been up to scratch over the last couple of weeks.
2: And uh, you did mention um, a name that a lot of Derby fans will be familiar with there, in, uh, Andy Wyman. Uh, Casey Palmer playing his trade at Bristol City as well uh, this yeah. season, of course. How, how important have those two been to the playoff push that Bristol City have had this season?
1: So, um, Andy Wyman. Well, he started on fire as I'm sure you saw he scored against Forest uh, early on which I'm sure he'd be pleased with um, on the opening day and we, yeah he, he scored five in the four games I think early on then he went for about a month without scoring and he was playing up front at this point and he's just it sort of been slowly switched out wide so he's played out wide for most of the season and pretty much I can't, I can't remember the exact but I don't think he scored a goal between September and the end of March um, I mean he's come back and scored five in the last sort of seven games playing in a more advanced position so it depends on the job Johnson wants him to do for the team. I, I think fans appreciate Wayman. I don't think he's necessarily the, the hero. He doesn't quite score the goals or get the assists that you need to be for that level. But he, everyone appreciates the work he puts in, um, and when he gets his chances, he, he, he does quite well with them. Casey Palmer, very oh, hit and miss, to be honest. He came in on his debut and had an absolutely incredible game. He's been brought in a few times. Just seems to fall over too much, to be honest, at the moment. He gets on the ball. He, he likes doing little tricks. And to be fair, on Monday, he came on and actually probably put up one of his best games for us. He came on and actually changed the tempo in the course of the game in the second half. Barry Bannon didn't know what to do with him. And he's one of the more experienced central midfielders. And Palmer had him on toast a little bit. But he has had games. I think Birmingham at home, especially, I can remember. You can barely remember him passing the ball to a City player because he loses it before he gets a chance to get it away. So, very hit and miss. Like, again, I just... I do wonder if we might just go for it a little bit on on Saturday, and Kapama might get the nod in that sort
2: of advanced number eight position, and and see what he can do. And uh, just finally coming back to the game at the weekend, Paul, what's your uh, what's your prediction for the game, and where do you think Bristol City will end up in the uh, final reckoning? Oh, I,
1: it could be absolutely anything. We we've. Spent most of the season, with a fairly tight defence. To be honest, we've we we've, we've won a lot of away games one nil, and we've drawn a lot of home games one one or or two one two one. But in recent weeks, we've opened up, and I, I could actually see it be quite a high scoring affair. I think. I think both teams need to go for it. You guys obviously got a very tough away match for the midweek following against Swansea, which you know we'll be we keeping a close eye on. I can see it being a high scoring draw if I'm honest, and and yeah, you know, both I say both teams going for it, both teams attacking, and it should be a should be a good good day out and a, hopefully a full house as well.
2: Well there you go. Well Paul, thanks ever so much for joining us and uh, enjoy the rest of the season whatever it may bring for, uh, for the Robins Thank you guys, cheers So if you were Frank Lampard what would you be saying to your Derby County team in the away dressing room before that game at Ashton Gate on Saturday then? Do we given how bad we are at keeping clean sheets away from home do we park the bus and hope something changes or do we just try and outscore them? This is where I get my hat out Chris it's going to be a hard hat <laughs> knocking on my head not a euphemism it's, t- <laughs>
0: it's time for battle lads and it's about time we headed some balls away when they come in the box and it's about time we defended for our lives and nicked a late goal 1-1-0 well
2: that was good I thought you really getting into your flow there
0: like... what? <laughs> bang hard hat on excited if we do it if not it's going to be a little flat cap hard I'm hat excited. becomes excited this is a bit weird <laughs>
3: I, I would, I would, well, I would definitely echo Tom's sentiments regarding <laughs> heading the ball out the
2: box. Um, I would go for it. I feel like that's a basic starting point. Really, it yeah. should really have to be said.
3: we're <laughs> doing that Monday to Friday, nine to five,
2: but not a Saturday, three o'clock. Yeah, yeah,
3: and then carry it through. I would, I'd say go for it. I'd say go, go for a win, play them, attack them, get the ball forward. I think we, we, look, Monday was awful attacking wise, but. We we looked pretty good actually in the last few weeks. Brentford away, we were fantastic going forward when we had the chance. Birmingham, we were threatening. Um, I I I I'd, I'd go at them.
2: But it, it's, it's when a, it's it, our strength. It's when those games turn into a slugfest, like a, a, a going each way, yeah, a back and forth. That's when we are at our best, isn't it? Really, that's when and we worse. can hurt teams like Norwich, Brentford, West Brom this season. I think now has to be the time for that away form to improve, doesn't it? But Ashton Gate. It's not exactly a fortress really this season. They're only 16th in the home form table and 15th overall for goals scored in the championship. They've lost six times at home this season to Leeds, Birmingham, Preston, Stoke, Sheffield Wednesday and Middlesbrough. I think we can go there and get something. We just have to believe, have that composure and keep the home crowd quiet for the first
0: few minutes there needs to be a, a real sort of energy about the Derby performance in the first sort of five to ten minutes we, nothing, can't, we can't be passive at, at all, at all can't we? yeah. we've got to go on the front foot and I think we have to attack and we have to be prepared to take a, a couple of blows we have to be, be in there and, and put, a, put a foot in I mean my question is has anyone got Jamie Hansen's mobile number Because <laughs> get him in into that centre midfield get him taking someone out in the
2: first minute and getting a booking fine off you go, Jamie. <laughs> Jamie Hansen has and will never will be the answer to any question <laughs> posed on this His podcast. picture's still
3: up in Tom's room, to be fair. So.
0: <laughs> I love Jamie. <laughs> um,
2: you you were talking about in midfield, though, and that biggest selection dilemma that, that Frank has, I think, is in the middle of the park, isn't it? No Dwayne Holmes, probably. No Craig Bryson picked up an injury against, um, against QPR. Do you think, Coach, we sacrifice playing an attacking player so we can play Johnson and Huddleston in there? In front of the back four to protect them, give the license for Mount to go forward.
3: No, not on, uh, not on Saturday. If, if, if we want to attack them and go at them, which which I think we all would like them to do, and I I think that's where Lampard will go towards. He hasn't. When, I can't remember the last time he played Johnson Addison together. I, I just can't see it. I think he's more likely to play Wilson with Mount in the middle, in front of probably Johnson. That's probably the way
0: I would like to go. Huddleston got a one-year contract extension, and I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he since. hasn't played since. So I mean, um, I can't see him coming back in. But I, it's it is actually the kind of formation I think would suit this derby team the best because we've got two fullbacks in Bogle, maybe Malone or or Cole, but probably Malone, who actually prefer to go forward and attack and. If we use those fullbacks, we need someone to sit in to to protect them. So if they're both bombing forward and we've only got one player, it leaves us with three at the back uh, on the counter attack. Perhaps with two, someone can slot into a fullback position, either Huddleston or Johnson, and um, someone can then obviously shield that back foot, uh, or the back three, I guess, as it would be. And it allows Malone and it allows uh, Bogle to provide some much needed width, which sometimes when we're playing very badly we don't have it's fine to say that but whenever we ever seen Hudson or Johnson
3: actually do an effective job of filling in for someone else when when they bomb forward Hudson's not, not particularly effective at defending counter-attacks he doesn't move quick enough and Johnson doesn't fill me of confidence in terms of sweeping up that's not his strong part in that role I don't think he has many strong parts in that role I think he just just about gets by i i just I don't i just don't see it working i just i just don't i don't think they'd bring enough solidity fully in to to justify putting that extra defensive mind on there hello so,
2: is that jamie hanson hello <laughs> jamie <laughs> <laughs> so it is going to have to be that that slugfest formation isn't it we're gonna to have to stick to attacking midfielders in the three behind the front three so nil nil drawing coming you reckon you love the word slugfest, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. It's, I can't, my favorite. I can't see a it's one of my favourite words that is only ever used when talking about football <laughs> and uh, and boxing.
3: I uh, can't see it being nil-nil. I, I put on Twitter that I'd be interested to see what the aggregate score is for the next three matches because I think there's going to be goals in all of them. I think it will be a bit like the end to a lot of our a lot of our seasons uh recently uh where we've kind of ended up in lots of two twos three threes even four threes four four games which is very frustrating i i think there'll be goals again on on saturday and i think it'll probably be 2-1 or 3-2 either way
2: but, okay. you, but you're not you're not confident enough to say who to darby no no I'd, i think we'll probably lose 2-1 <laughs> to football yeah <laughs>
0: One of my good friends is a Bristol City fan and uh I had the pleasure of going to Millwall next week, uh on Tuesday to see Bristol City uh <clears throat> play Millwall after we've played them and he's been saying to me that he doesn't think Bristol City have got enough quality uh in the final third. Like when they score goals they're they're often sort of like really good sort of strikes, um and they're not sort of consistently putting pressure on teams. And I think that can the same can perhaps be said of Derby. Like we often rely on a, a bit of individual brilliance or um or something which comes out of nowhere like Waghorn's goal for example against Birmingham uh, a great finisher that was but we very rarely put consistent applied pressure onto a team and so I think you could see it being a bit of a being a bit of a slugfest Chris
3: there's a, there's an argument to say as well Bristol City have had their run a bit like Hull we look at Hull's record now they've fallen off a cliff they've lost the last three matches after an incredible second half of the season Bristol City similarly had a really great run they've won one in the last five matches so um, but we're, we're but we're crap away from home so I've got no idea what's going to happen. I hope, I hope you see some goals, Chris.
2: I think from what I've seen and what I've read about Bristol City recently, their fans are getting a bit pissed off because they're taking too many chances to score. Uh, they're just not clinical enough,
3: really. But if they're creating lots of chances, then Derby's a team
2: to play. It doesn't mean, yeah. That's perfect for us if they can't score. Because we <laughs> we concede a lot of chances and they create a lot of chances. So, Easy. So, um, yeah, no way it's finishing goalless, surely. Speaking of teams who also don't score enough from their chances are Leeds United God that was seamless wasn't it that was textbook Um, we can't wrap this we can't wrap things up without talking about Leeds United top of the table on Boxing Day six points clear a third I mean we're not really ones to talk about bottle jobs are we but but they are on the cusp of the mother of all bottle jobs if they don't go up in the playoffs do you buy into what I wanted to ask you is do you buy into this logic of if we do happen to make the top six, it's a big if. Do you think they are a good team to play because of their psychological state by the end of the season?
3: Well, because they are a because they are a very big club and let's be honest, they are they are a huge club. There is that even more even more than Derby psycho drama around playoffs and desperate to get back into the Premier League. Leeds will be they'll be you know, seriously shaking and, and having having been top of the league and looking like they were favourites to go up. You know, the poor run has also kind of coincided with them being caught. spying it has been less fine. there has been less victory since then. I'm not saying they're connected, but it's easy. It's an easy narrative to go down. They've got in some injury problems now. Aloiski's out from the rest of the season. Um, oh, sorry,
2: John Aloisi. <laughs>
3: sorry. Good legendary Coventry player back in the day.
2: Alioski. Yes. Yes. John Aloisi, Alioski, all the same. They looked absolutely broken after that Brentford game, didn't they? Like Pablo Hernandez looked like he was going to cry. Tell
3: was brilliant about that was I went to the Brentford game and I met up with um, the Be Boys afterwards and did a bit for their podcast. And Billy B, it was almost like Leeds is their biggest match of the season. They had a, they, I think they had a really aggressive game against them earlier in the season, and Brentford were just determined about. The fans and the players had an absolute turn about getting a result against them. And I was quite confident, that having heard that, that, that Brentford might do a job. And it sounded like it was, it was a bit of a battle. And, and, and it was a battle when we played Brentford and, and fair played, and they They put it on against Leeds with nothing to play for.
0: Do you know what I love? A Leeds United injustice. Because nothing brings out Leeds United fans on Twitter and other social media outlets than an injustice. Now, that challenge on Bamford is a stonewall penalty, 365 days a week. 10 years in a decade. How many days a week? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. 365 days in a year.
2: 72 hours a day. Whatever it is.
0: (laughs) It is a stonewall penalty and he's not given it. Bamford bangs the turf and Leeds United fans go crying. Beautiful. Do
3: do I want to play them in the playoffs though? Well, we haven't got a choice probably. If we get sick, we're going to play them. Um, I still think they'd probably do us over two legs, but it would be pretty sweet having been tanked by them both times I'd have very
2: very little confidence I mean if we did get there they would have finished probably at least 15 points ahead of us and outplayed us twice we'd be massive massive underdogs but sometimes it's a leveller there is history for the team that finishes third on a huge points total completely completely bottling it maybe that team could be us you never know really and I think that normally when a team in sixth comes
0: into the playoff and um and wins it. It's normally because they're a the team in form at the moment. That's that's not Derby. It's not Middlesbrough. It's not Bristol City. Yeah. Um, and yes, Leeds may not be on form, um, but at the same time, they've they've got enough quality in there. They've got probably. I'm gobsmacked he's not in the uh, Championship Player of the Year uh, sorry Team of the Year even um, Pablo Hernandez has been fantastic uh, with the assists and the goals he scored um, so yeah Leeds will be a tough opposition for whoever gets sixth uh, and it's going to be if it's Derby it's going to be massive, two massive nights
2: anyway let's not get ahead of ourselves because we're barely in the playoffs let alone uh, qualified for them at the end of the season Um going to leave it there for now crack through a fair bit of material there Kutch you're going to wrap things up for podcast 51 with a starting 11 I am padding while you find it on your phone it's there it's on it? the
3: phone just to remind Chris and Tom of the rules and our listeners uh I'm going to give you a match and I'm going to hope we haven't had this match before otherwise I'm going to have to find a new match and the match uh, we're going to be doing is QPR versus Derby County at Wembley the famous last minute final heartache there was a player that scored a goal but I won't give his name away because he might need to use him Okay. So the the rules are that uh, Chris and Tom will take it in turns to name a player that featured in the match from either team. They could have started or come off the bench. So there are a total of twenty eight players that featured in that match.
2: This could be a long one.
3: So uh, Chris, do you want to go first?
2: Richard Keogh.
0: Correct. <laughs> Bobby Zamora. <laughs> Correct. I can't believe you said it. <laughs> Had to after Keogh. George Thorne. Correct. Uh, Jake Buxton. Correct.
2: <laughs> Um, Chris Martin correct Craig Forsyth correct Andre Wisdom
0: correct Johnny Russell correct he's brought down famously
2: yeah by Gary O'Neill
3: correct Red Card Lee Grant correct
2: Joey Barton absolutely Craig Bryson
3: yep came on in the 68th minute oh he got dropped Tom's got lucky
2: there I was not sure well, He's always coming playing, on isn't yeah. he He was one of his best yeah, season, season. Yeah. How many Derby players have we named?
3: We've named Seven So four Starting players to go Two subs And Two subs Two starters
2: Yeah Will Hughes Correct Bob Green Correct Jeff Hendrick
3: Yep
0: <sighs> Patrick Bamford
3: Yep Came on in the 92nd minute Yeah I thought he did Too late for me Jamie Ward Came on for Jamie Ward, yes. So have we named every Derby player? Apart from one substitute.
2: I, Interesting. Think, I think I know who it is. but There's I'm... also
3: quite a few players for the other team.
2: Yeah, I know that.
0: Uh, <laughs> I think I know who the other Derby player is, but I'm not sure. So I'm going to go Clint Hill. Oh, I was going to say Clint Hill. Mm, correct, yep. Yeah. He did come
3: off in the 67th minute.
0: Um, this, is, this is tense. My heart's beating, Chris. Junior Hoylet. Correct. Played the whole 90, officially. I'm just wondering whether I go with a gamble here say Simon Dawkins he did come on
2: for Johnny Russell that's in the 67th right, minute I was thinking uh, that was my sub the Dawkinator yeah
3: so you have got all the Derby County players from that match that's pretty impressive
2: how many QPR players we got to go seven eight <laughs> <laughs> give or take um, Richard Dunn
3: mm. Romeo Dunn correct
2: cheers Massimo
0: Luongo nope
3: field. Oh. did not play did not come on or play 10
2: Good clean win. So Chris wins because you went
3: first, didn't you? So you could also have had uh, so Carl Henry. Can
2: I try and get some more? Yeah. Um Asu Akoto? Nope. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so wow. there you go. Well, One uh thanks so for depressing point. us a little yeah,
3: Point cheers.
2: to Chris. Well I thought it's you know it's topical <laughs> isn't it? playoffs, QPR and that. Good to get off the mark all the same. Well, we're gonna be back in a week this time, aren't we? I think. Yes. If I survive Baku. Have we uh, diarised that one? I think we have. I think we have, yeah. After the, the first uh, of May. yeah. After the game in hand against Swansea.
3: After the visit to uh, White Hart Lane. Yes.
0: 29th of April.
2: Yeah, yeah. More on that on uh, on Twitter. We're going to try and get to the new Spurs ground, possibly. on under-23s match. For the under-23s. We'll keep you posted on that one. So we'll see you in about a week. Um, Tom, any other business? Uh, No, not from me. Happy Easter and thanks for your contribution. Richard, thank you as always. Happy Easter, Chris. See you again soon.